1989, Charles Thompson was living out a childhood dream as the starting quarterback for the University of Oklahoma, something he dreamed of as a child growing up in Lawton. But the allure of easy money selling drugs brought his world crashing down, and in February of that year, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated wearing a prison orange jumpsuit. But Charles rediscovered Christ and rekindled a fading relationship with God and is now a father of three, organizer of a very successful youth football program in Oklahoma City, and a licensed minister. From Jumpsuit to Jesus, this is the redemption story of Charles Thompson. This is Mitch Wilburn, preaching minister at the Park Church of Christ, proud sponsor of Suit Up. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to join us for worship at the park. We are a Bible-based church that loves the Lord and loves people. We have one service on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and that's followed by classes for everyone from newborn to 100 years of age. The park sits on a rather large lot near the corner of Garnett and the Creek Turnpike and offers a Sunday evening service at 6 p.m., and Wednesday night we meet at 7 p.m. Our youth have their own building with multiple men and women leading them, and our kids, age one to fifth grade, have their own educational wing that even has its own working carousel and ice cream parlor. And I love both. Kevin, the host of this podcast, is in charge of our sports ministry that goes on all year round with basketball, volleyball, softball, great activities. So come see us at the park on the corner of Garnet and the Creek Turnpike, or check us out on the web at parkplaza.org. Tell us about growing up in Lawton and in the Thompson household. Well, listen, I, I was you know raised by a single mom, and I originally grew up in uh, all of my rich mom's original family from Fort Smith, Arkansas. She ended up um, marrying a soldier uh, and moved to Lawton, and I remember leaving all my relatives in Lawton, moving in, in Fort Smith, moving to Lawton. And to be honest with you, um, Kevin, it was a different situation. And we, in Arkansas at the time, we lived in more like a segregated uh, living range. And our, our neighborhood was pretty much all black. And, and uh, we pretty much, I only inter, inter, uh, interacted with my relatives or cousins or people of, of that nature. And, and then when I moved to Lawton, you know, we moved to an integrated uh, a neighborhood and went to an integrated school, and, and things was kind of very difficult for me originally uh, there in Lawton because it was just an environment I wasn't really used to. And my mom being a single, my mom being a single mom, uh, my stepfather also ended up passing away. That's a whole other story in itself. And so she basically raised five kids on her own, and so I had to grow up kind of understanding a little bit um, of how to kind of take care of yourself and kind of at a young age, how to, you know, kind of be a survival of the fittest kind of a, kind of a mindset because, uh, you know, we, we, you know, with a mom, one single mom raising five kids, it was, uh, it was certainly often, often a very difficult time. How old were you when you moved to Lawton and where do you fit as far as age is concerned with the five uh, children? Well, I was uh, I probably maybe going into kindergarten to first grade is when we originally moved to Lawton. Um, and I, uh, I was, um, uh, I am in, in my, on my mom's side. I'm the middle child. I've got uh, an older brother, and old, two, two, uh, two older brothers, and older sister on my mom's side, and I got a younger brother and a younger sister on my mom's side. To be quite honest, when you include my dad's side of the family, I've got eight brothers and three sisters all together. But uh, but uh, I was the middle child, somewhat uh, in, in the household uh, that they're living with my mom. Now I remember a time, Charles, when I was in college back in the late '70s and early '80s. And Lawton football was kind of the epicenter of high school football. 
uh, in the nation. I mean, winning national titles. Talk about football in Lawton when, when you were in high school back in, in, the, in the 80s. Well, you know, for us, um, i I, I got to give a lot of credit and thanks to uh, a, a great coach I had, Daryl Allslager, who was not only just my coach, but he was a great friend to me as well and, and spent a lot of time kind of mentoring and talking to me. And, you know, Kevin, I'll never forget my sophomore year. And at the time, I wasn't the starting quarterback, but I felt I should. They had a senior that was starting ahead of me named Eddie Dabney, and uh, uh, he had more, the opportunity to be the starter after being there. And I came in, and, you know, I can remember – you know, I was a little kid. I was 135 pounds, to be quite honest with you. And riding my bicycle up to Lawton, uh, Lawton High, and, and was just just dedicated and wanted to be the guy. And it, I saw my older brother play at Lawton High, and watching the the guys like Hootie Douglas, uh, they call Rodney Douglas, who who was a great all stater out of Lawton, the quarterback there. I'd seen him, you know, and all these guys. And so it was kind of a dream of mine to to be the quarterback at Lawton High. I had a couple of dreams in Lawton High, being the quarterback at Lawton High was one and. I remember a lot back then where people in Lawton kind of had a chip on their shoulder, the football players, because they didn't feel like they was getting the respect that they that we considered the Oklahoma City teams and, 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 and kids were getting. So I, my first recollection of Lawton was I wanted to be the quarterback in Lawton High in high school, and I wanted to prove uh, to everyone all over the state that we, at least at Lawton High, uh, at least at my position, I was as good as anybody else in the state. And so I, I – I, I, Struggled the first couple of games because I wasn't playing. And then finally, after the third game of the year, you know, Daryl Allslager and the staff came to me and said, we were up playing Star Spencer. And they came in at halftime and decided, you know what, we're going to go with CT uh, in the second half. And I, of course, went on to lose the game. But it, uh, from that point forward, uh, it was it was a mission of mine to prove to everybody on the state I, that I was one of the best players uh, in the state of Oklahoma, regardless of being from Lawton or wherever it was. Well, you're obviously a pretty good baseball player, too. We'll get to that here in a minute. Go back to home life again in Lawton and talk about, you know, church life and, and how important was a relationship with Christ at the time? Well, listen, I grew up, my mom was a Methodist, and, uh, you know, in regards to what we chose or not chose, I mean, we were involved in, in the church choirs and you know, church wasn't an option in my household. I mean, every Sunday, you know, my mom uh, uh, woke us up, and we had to go be a part of the church choir, be a part of church. And so it, it was one of those deals. We we were we attended Davis Chapel, Amy. I remember it very well in Lawton View, Oklahoma there, and um, in that neighborhood there. And it was almost like a ritual for us, uh, Kevin. It was, you know, it was uh, something my mom, I, I, I you know, as, as I got older, I ultimately realized that, you know, she set a great foundation for me because, it, you know, in the troubles that I went through later in life, I realized the foundation that he had, she had set, the fact that she kept us in church, the fact that she made us be involved, the fact that she made us, you know, uh, be in, go to church on Wednesday nights, go to church on Sunday uh, Sunday morning and spend hours and hours uh, there at the church. I remember you used to say to my mom, like, man, I don't mind going to church, but do we got to be in there for two and a half hours because church service so long and she would tell me i don't care what you do uh to sit down and be quiet and shut your mouth and don't say a word and so for the most part i mean we were, we were there i mean so church at a very young age for me was was just a was just a way of life it was part of uh, certainly part of my weekends and a part of uh, the way that uh, we went about life i know you're you were thinking there about uh the scripture in proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart that doesn't mean that there won't be 
uh, some times before that child gets old that there might not be some issues. I know I certainly had some in my life too. So let's let's fast forward a little bit here because I mentioned the base. Uh, you were drafted uh, by the Cincinnati Reds, but you obviously had started to gravitate towards football. At what point did you have to make a decision on which direction to go and and was playing baseball at OU ever uh, a possibility? Well, it's ironic. The, 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 the time that I had to make the decision was at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I obviously, you know, I never forget sitting down in the kitchen. And at this time, my mom that moved to Dallas, Kevin, and I went to live with my father and my stepmother, who obviously was also very heavily in the church. And she attended St. John's Baptist Church there in Lawton, Oklahoma. And, of course, I went from my mom's house to my stepmom's house. And I don't know, I can't honestly tell you, I don't know which one was harder on us about the church deal, but I got from both ends of it, I got a full fledge of that. Um, but I never forget sitting in the kitchen and talking to my dad, who my dad was one of the base, original baseball players that played with the Kansas City Monarchs. So his original love was baseball. Um, and, you know, he asked me when we were sitting there, and I had a lot of scouts telling me, man, I could be a pretty high draft pick if I would just come out and announce that I would pick baseball over football. But I had such a tremendous amount of love you know, for the game of football, it had been a dream of mine to always be the quarterback and have an opportunity to play for Coach Barry Switzer in the University of Oklahoma and that and wear that old unit side of the helmet. So there was not any way that I was willing to say and commit to that thought that I would not uh, play baseball. I, and so I, I told a lot of scouts at my high school, my dad said, just be honest about it. And I said, hey, I, I certainly would love to, to play baseball, but I'm I've gotten a scholarship to play quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. That's been a dream of mine, and I'm going to fulfill that dream. And so I ended up getting drafted late. I went to to Oklahoma, and believe it or not, my first year there, I actually went out for the baseball team. Enos Seymour was the actual coach then. And uh, I'll never forget my first spring there, because back then, the guys didn't graduate early. We, we, we reported the camp in, in July, right, in August, right, two weeks before the veterans got there. And so that was the first time. So my first full year there and my first spring there was the year after my redshirt year. And I went out for uh, the baseball team. And Ian Seymour and, and told me I'd probably be the starting second baseman. And one week into that practice, Jamel Holloway breaks his thumb. Barry Switzer calls me in his office and says, you're my quarterback of the future and pulls me back to the OU football practice that spring and uh that was the last time i actually ever uh even really probably put on a baseball glove and i gave up my dream and love of being a baseball player and, and dove 100 percent into into being the quarterback at the university of oklahoma obviously there was no choice for you i mean it was oklahoma all the way what other schools though were recruiting you charles and how close did any of them actually come to luring you away from ou well, it was there was other schools. I mean, Minnesota was recruiting with Lou Holtz. He ultimately that year ended up taking a job at Notre Dame and actually called me and asked me would I would I consider coming to to, to South Bend and Notre Dame. And I I remember having the phone call in my coach's office and I told him I said, Mister Holtz, I'm honored and privileged, but uh, you know, and I, I realized Notre Dame had a great value, a great tradition. But man, I'm I'm a hundred percent OU. You know, I had schools like OSU, uh, and I really seriously. Considered Oklahoma State, people really don't know that. At the time, Pat Jones was the coach. He had sat in my home and said, uh, Ronnie Williams was their quarterback, and he said, for him moving forward, he's probably going to play. One of the young freshmen in our class was Mike Gundy, myself, and Quinn Grovey. We ultimately all ended up starting uh, uh, at at our respective universities, Quinn at Arkansas, Mike, of course, at Oklahoma State. 
Ultimate at OSU, but I, I was almost convinced that pretend, that I, if I wanted to play quarterback and play early, because if you remember, at that time, coming out of high school, oh, you had just won a national championship with a true freshman, Jamel Holloway, and many said, not only would I have a, uh, not have a chance to play quarterback there until uh, I was a junior, some thought that I may never get a chance uh, and that uh, I may ultimately have to switch position. And so if I wanted to play quarterback, uh, that I had to look at a place maybe that had a better opportunity for me. And I believe that Pat Jones, uh, will his word, and ultimately he ended up uh, being doing just that. He ended up starting a, a freshman, Mike Gundy, at some point. I can't remember exactly when that happened. Uh, but, yeah, Oklahoma State was a, a consideration. SMU at that time was a consideration. But other than that, I got recruited by a lot of other teams to play other positions, which they were put in the back burner. I, I was came out of high school and we could have played defensive back. In fact, my first year at Oklahoma in, in, in our in our two a day camp, I actually played quarterback and was uh, considered. I played some defensive back, uh, and then people really don't know this, uh, Kevin. I'm I'm actually one of the only backup quarterbacks in the history of uh, the, the program that actually uh, actually played. And, and return punts for the team as well, too, being a backup quarterback. And so they had other positions. They were looking at me. I'll never forget sitting there after our first camp there on campus. Barry Switzer called me in his office. We were a week before we were getting ready to play UCLA uh, there, and, and, and Barry Switzer calls me in to his office a week before that. I'm actually scheduled to be the punt returner. And Coach Proctor loved me at defensive back and had me potentially – Looking at possibly being a, coming in on some dime packages and playing some free safety, and then moving then uh, corner uh, free safety Ricky Dixon would end up being all American, trying him out as some cornerback. Switzer calls me in and says uh, after a couple of scrimmages, I looked really really well and shined pretty good. He says I think Charlie, you're my quarterback of the future. I'm going to elect to redshirt you as opposed to playing in another <laughs> position. And I never be I will never forget being so disappointed because ultimately I wanted to be a quarterback. But more than anything, Kevin, as anyone. I just wanted to play. Talking with Charles Thompson, a little known fact, Charles and I actually worked in the broadcast booth together for a season, probably somewhere around 20 years ago or so, as uh, I was doing the play-by-play, and Charles was adding the color commentary on radio broadcasts of uh, Edmond High School football at the time. I don't even know if you remember that, Charles. Oh, yeah, I remember Kevin very well. No, that was really – I never forget, you know, I – when I got by the time you and I connected, I'd done a few games, but I'll never forget the first time I got the call was from Craig Humphrey. He had had me, he had me on his show, and then he calls me out of the blue one night and says, "Hey, I'm got to do a game in Lawton. Somebody had canceled. Since you're from Lawton, would you want to go do the color commentator?" And I said, "Sure, yeah." Now I hung up the phone, Kevin. I went called him back and says, "You know what, Craig? I've never done that before. I don't even know how to do that." I I said, yeah, because it sounded like some. He said, do you understand football? I said, absolutely. He goes, well, I know you do. Charles, I think you'll be great. And that's, uh, that's the deal. That's how I started. But, yeah, I, I remember that very well. All right, now let's, let's go back to Oklahoma. And this is one of the things, Charles, that I really I admire about you is because, obviously, uh, folks who have been around Oklahoma for a while, they understand what happened in the late 80s and specifically in January, February of 1989. But you have not shied away from what happened and talking about it because this is where the redemption uh, story starts to kick in. When did drugs enter your life, and was it something that you did personally, or did or or in the instance of of the selling of the drugs, was were you just on that side of it at that time? Well, uh, to be 
real honest and frank with you, Kevin. I, I did do high school. Marijuana was something I experienced with and even a little bit when I re- first got to college and, and amongst other things. And it was never something that was – I was never a person that it took control of me. I was – it was just like being a kid. I was experimenting and trying it. And, of course, you like – it's kind of like you like it and so you keep doing You hang out with those kind of crowds. And, you know, I didn't lot and hung out with some people that, you know, because I was so fast – we used to have races every Sunday, Kevin, and in Sunday evenings, in the early evenings and afternoons. And so because I was so fast, I'd go down to first, first Street there in Lawton, and a lot of the guys, older guys, and these were guys that were the street guys, the, dope, the drug dealers and all that, would, would bet on me. And so I was kind of a, a guy that they would befriend, even at a young age, because I was out there beating everyone in racing. And so I became a popular young kid early on, and so I got to hang around and, and be around a lot of those older guys who were involved in things. And so as I got older and got to Oklahoma, you know, all of a sudden here I am in the spotlight and these same kind of people are still coming around me, kind of off the field, not really approaching me. And then one day I just, I don't know, I just had a conversation with the guy and said, you know what, I, you know, I, everybody's young kid is kind of like wants a little extra change in his pocket. And the guy asked me, did I know anyone that maybe wanted a little bit of something? And I said, I, I might could find someone. I knew some guys that were on the team and ultimately I ended up having a conversation and, Ended up uh, being involved in, in in some 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 arrangements for drugs was distributed and and moved around and ultimately that's what I ended up getting to prison for was a conversation on conspiracy to distribute uh, a cocaine and so it was it was just a bad time you know I, at that time Kevin I was a kid who had grew up from Lawton had lived all all of a sudden started living this dream and I tell people this all the time I don't shy away from it, as you mentioned but I really thought because I could run faster than most kids could score more touchdowns on the football field, could outrun and steal more bases and people on the baseball diamond, that rules didn't apply. And so I got oblivious to being a regular, sane, mind-thinking person, and I thought because my life I had been put on a pedestal because I was such a great athlete that I could do certain things and get away with it. And ultimately that's what led me down the pitfalls because I thought didn't really understand exactly what it was that I was really getting involved with and how serious of a nature that it was until it was actually too late. So – Walk us through that particular time as far as what was going on in your mind and in your relationships with your family. And, and was it then or did it come later that relationship with God had just deteriorated so badly that you knew that that, that was the first thing that you had to fix? Well, the, the relationship, it, it's funny when you don't, when you're not, you don't have a stable environment around you. I don't, you know, I never point the finger, blame anyone. Um, I just, you know, I, 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 I just, you know, I had a lot of great things going. You know, Kevin, I was put on a pedestal, and you know, I, I can't describe or explain the feeling what I got and, and 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 how I felt back then. You know, being the quarterback for the University of Oklahoma, it was really like a dream come true for me. The treatment that I received, just from local people, just walking down the street or walking into the malls or. You know, it's just it's a different deal. It's still the same to a degree. Uh, it's never ch- going to never change. Uh, probably the, it's probably the same for Spencer Rattler when he walks around. It's been the same for many guys when you're the quarterback at the University of Oklahoma around Oklahoma. I mean, that's a big big deal. I didn't understand it then. I allowed that to go to my head, thinking that maybe the rules didn't apply to me. And uh, my relationship with God, I, I got further and further away from it because sometimes you know how the devil works. He begins to make you think that you don't need that. Hey, you have arrived. You know, you get all this special treatment, and it's you 
That's the reason why this is happening. It's you. That's the reason why these things are happening. It's you. The, and you, 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 be, you begin to forget about the foundations of the things that were established and put in you by your parents and your mothers and, and your stepmoms and all this sort of thing, and you lose track of that. And so it led from one poor decision to the other poor decision to doing certain things. And when you continually get away with it, you get away with it, and people turn their, sh- their, their eyes and they continue to pat you on the back because you're, hey, you're the quarterback for the University of Oklahoma, ultimately it, it leads you into a dark, dark phase. And that's, during that time I was in a very, very dark phase in my life, doing a lot of things that didn't really exemplify who my family was and how I was brought up. Was there a point, Charles, that you can remember uh, maybe turning a corner that somebody said something to you or some specific encounter? Well, uh, you know, Kevin, I can remember my mom telling me during that time, right before I got arrested, that she felt odd. She felt like I was going in a direction. She had then moved to Dallas, and, and, and I never forget, I went home one, one, one weekend, and uh, I was on my way back, and she said, I just, you know, I just, my spirit doesn't feel well, doesn't sit well right now. You know, it's like she was trying to tell me, be leery of the people that are around you. They're, 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 they're out to, to bring you down. And, and I remember looking at my mom and saying, you, you really have no idea what you're talking about. I'm under, I got everything under control. Because that's just it. It's like being a drug addict or being addicted to something. In the midst of it, Kevin, you, you know, your mind's so wrapped around it that you, don't, you can't see what others can't see on the, on, the, on the outside of it. And so I just thought I had things under control. It ultimately, listen, I say this all the time to people. I don't wish it upon anyone. But to be who I am today, I am fortunate that God took me through the roads that he took me through to get to where I'm at because I feel like as bad as those times were for me, Kevin, it really, it really provided me an opportunity uh, to, 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 to see and to change, and that change ultimately has allowed me to make a difference in so many other people's lives that I, I don't know that I would have done it uh, if I had not gone through the things that I've gone through. You know, once you, once you left Oklahoma and, and you went to uh, play college football in Ohio and won a national championship there, NAI title, left uh, before your, your senior year to go into the, the NFL draft, and I guess teams, I guess, just never felt comfortable enough to draft you what was going through your head at that time well yeah you know it's funny kevin I, I i would tell you coming out went to central state and it was funny how the roots are i i was born and raised i was i was a raised in forcement arkansas so i during my time after i got out i got a phone call from a coach named terry jones who had followed me and knew me he used to be a coach at central state when i was at oklahoma and he was from Muldrow, Oklahoma, and he was a coach out there in Central Ohio. He called me one, uh, uh, one uh, on the phone. He says, uh, I, I just got down. He says, man, I'd like you to come up and check out Central State. I know who you are. I know about your story. We are our University of Redemption. You know, we're here at Central State, blah, 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 that. So I went up there and took the visit and ended up playing for that program, Coach William Billy Jones. We won the NAS championship. But I remember coming out in that draft, and I – I'd been there two years, so the first year, what people don't know is, somehow, because of the way I left Oklahoma, the first year I got there, I had to sit out. So I was just a student for one year. And then the second year I actually played, we won a national championship. I felt like it was time for me to move on in my life. I had enough school. And so I was invited to the combine. You know, most of the draft analysts had me as the 10th best rated running back coming out in the draft. And it wasn't until the draft day that I actually began to realize 
the magnitude of the mistakes that I made because everyone had passed up on me. When you look at the draft boards, and here you are listed as number 10, but yet they go by they go the night after, oh, I'm going to happen in the next round, third or fourth round, I'm going to be drafted next. And then all of a sudden you look on the board, and they're now drafting the guys who are listed behind me, 12-15, and then the phone call never happened. And I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to play in the Canadian League in the, in the, in the NFL Europe, which provided me still an opportunity to still keep hope alive for a chance of playing in the National Football League. And so I never really truly gave up on that hope, to be honest with you, uh, Kevin, until I got injured uh, in the NFL Europe. I was actually the, the, the second leading rusher in the NFL Europe that year and had the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers, and several teams there to watch me play. And on the fourth play of that game, uh, in, in the, third, in the, in the fifth, fourth game of the season, um, I tore up my shoulder. And so they fly me back to Baltimore, uh, to, to Birmingham, and Coach Lee Mack and Anders, who were famous surgeons that did a lot of work there in Birmingham at Health South, did my, for my surgery. And I woke up after my surgery, and all of a sudden, the love for football has started to slip away for me. Uh, and, and, and I just felt like there had to be something more that God was trying to do for me. And it really, you know, I ended up, uh, of course, having my son at that time and, and just coming back here to Oklahoma. And I, and I mean, I'll tell you, the thing that really changed me more than anything, and it's a, a guy that people remember out here, I was back here in Oklahoma and I had a conversation with Jackie Cooper. And Mr. Cooper kind of challenged me as to what is it that I want, what, what is my legacy going to be? Like when you're done here, because we're all leaving, what is it that you want to establish you in this community, wherever you want to plant your roots at, Charles, what does he want to be? And that, that stuck with me. And, and so I dove into my youth program, uh, you know, there early on at Woodson Park. It's been 20 years now, 20-plus years, and I've been out there doing that. And I found that to be my passion. And, Kevin, that ultimately, as I started peeling and giving back, because when I first came back to Oklahoma, people didn't really accept me. I wasn't accepted around at University of Oklahoma. Fans didn't really like me around here. But as I began to re- dive myself back into this community, started doing certain things, all of a sudden God began to slowly work on me and said that here's your calling. Everything that I took you through, Charles Thompson, was about this. The things, uh, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you know, you know, going through the things you've gone through, being in prison, all the trials and tribulations, falling short of your glory because I didn't think you were ready to get back and be an NFL player and put you back in that same limelight because I felt like you would potentially fall back in the same trap that you did when you had University of Oklahoma. I didn't really understand that till later after my football career was over, and I decided um, that I didn't want to go back to Canadian League, and I said, you know what, I now got a, a son who's five years old. It's time for me to start pouring back into his life. And, other, and that's what happened to me, and that's when God began to use that that passion and my fire and the desire for helping young kids, he began to use that as, as my fuel that helped me ultimately uh, get me back on track with him spiritually. So your oldest son that you mentioned, Kendall, uh, went on to play at Oklahoma, uh, then transferred to the University of uh, Utah, and then a couple of stints in the NFL. I don't know. I think, is he still a free agent right now? Yeah, he's a free agent now. He's uh, got cut by the Rams. Uh, he was with the Redskins a, uh, a couple of years, and then he spent last year on the Rams practice squad, sustained the injury, and then they released him week 14 of last year. He's here in the community, and uh, he's uh, Oklahoma City community, and he's a, a real estate developer now. And, uh, uh, you know, he's kind of really a, a guy who saved pretty much all of his money, Kevin, and uh, he's doing pretty good for himself. <laughs> well, good for him. Now, uh, son number two, Casey, is at the University of Texas where there's been this guy named Ellinger uh, who has dominated yeah. 
the landscape now. Is there a chance then next year for Casey to step in as the starter at Texas? Well, I mean, that's the, that's the plan for him. Casey's working diligent hard. He's, he is the number two listed quarterback uh, on their depth chart. Um, I do know the coaching staff has a tremendous amount of confidence in him, but you know, you know, Kevin, it's how it goes at the quarterback position. You got a guy four years starting Sam Ellinger, and the only thing Casey's doing wrong is nothing. He's just got to wait till Sam. Sam's earned the right to be the guy, mm-hmm. regardless of how we think about his level, his skills, or whatever. Uh, he, he's been a guy that's got a tremendous amount of experience, and he is, you know, he's been their leader for four years. And so, until Sam is 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 gone, and or, or, or something else happens, you know, Casey will just have to wait his turn. Now you got a third son in uh, Cade Thompson. Now, he's still in school, right? No, he graduated a year ago. He's down here working in the Oklahoma City uh, area. He, he's the guy that you know, decided – he's one of my kids. You know, Casey wanted to go a different route than Kendall. Obviously, both Kendall and Casey were quarterbacks. That's kind of what led to Casey going to Texas. He wanted to create his own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were very open with his commitment from the jump. I learned a little bit as a father on how to look and look at things. Completely differently uh, with when having dealing with Kendall, with Casey was a little bit different. Cade, obviously, was being the younger of the three, kind of wanted to do his own. He's more into the, he's a comedian and an actor, um, and uh, he hopes to pursue that at, at some point in his life. So I got to ask you before I let you go here when you talk to groups, that, or even if you break it down and you're talking to just one or two kids, what are some of the, the nuggets of advice that you really hope sinks in with them? Well, here's the deal, Kevin. What happened to me, I'll tell you this. This is really true. So, you know, God took it to another level. Uh, about five years ago, I went through a serious divorce, and, you know, my family kind of broke up, and I really feel like that's when God put, took me to the wilderness very seriously. I didn't end up starting a Bible study in my home with my son, and then uh, his coach, Jeff Brickman, was that sophomore. Us three started a Bible study in my living room. God moved me. I was Got to start watching a lot of T.D. Jakes, and, and I was going through a hard time. I give a lot of praise and thanks to you know some guys in the Tulsa area right there, Harold and Wayne Jones, uh, Bishop Jones there in Tulsa, got a church there, and they've been great mentors to me. Pastor Keith Douglas was there with me. When God took me through this wooden divorce, I was kind of all alone. You know, my kids, uh, uh, my, my, my wife at the time had kind of left, and I was in a household all by myself, and it was strange. And God took me through the wilderness to where I woke up one day and said, God says, Start a Bible study. You got a, I've got you a following to impact kids. You've been doing it for years. Now do it for the Lord. And so I started a Bible study in my home that ultimately grew with three people that ultimately grew to about 100 people coming uh, a, a week, young kids there in the sophomore and the more area. Since then, I, I was so moved that I got my minister's license. People don't know that. I'm a licensed minister here in the state of Oklahoma. And so uh, I, I've just... Uh, God has done wonderful things with me. The best thing that I tell people is this. Whatever it is that you're experiencing in life, it's not the end of the road. I've been down. I've been out. I've been, you know, federal prison number this, that. I've, I've been on chain shackled lines with guys who were mass murderers. And here I was, probably didn't feel like I was bad as them. But God, if, you're, if, you're, if you in your heart have God in your heart and you're determined that God is in your heart, and, and and you don't completely shut him out, he will always have you. So whatever you're going through, it will only last for a moment. And on the other side, you'll have great glory. So stay focused, keep fighting, and keep believing. And in most important anything, and just keep praying and keep trusting the Lord. I had to learn that the hard way, Kevin. For me and my whole life, it was all about what Charles Thompson could do. I thought I was the one that had all the answers. I thought I was the one that could fix everything. 
it wasn't until God took me through an experience in my life, both young adult and old adult, that I realized there are certain things that you as a man uh, cannot fix. You have to turn to the Lord and to provide and lean on the Holy Spirit. And that's ultimately what I did when I figured that out. And I give thanks and praise to people like Bishop Jones and his son, Harold Jones, and Pastor Keith Douglas. They were there spitting that into my ear, and God knew that's what I needed. And so when I talk about falling back and going back to my roots, my mom and my stepmom forced me to be into the Word all the time. And as I got to be a man, I had accountability of friends that told me and returned me back to that same foundation. And today, as a 52-year-old man, I can proudly say that I'm a changed man, and I believe because of that that I will make a difference, and God took me to that to make a difference. And I, I answered my calling to be a, a, a positive spiritual imp, impact and a leader uh, and a difference maker for any young kid out there. And that's what my youth program is about. And so because of that, I, I know that uh, I can rest and lay my head down each and every day. That's what my legacy will be here in Oklahoma City. Charles, that's uh, wonderful, man. It's so good to hear. And thank you for answering this call as well. And this has been awesome. And I know a lot of people are going to be inspired by your story and especially how you have come out of that fire uh, from the late 80s to the man that you are today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Charles Thompson on Suit Up. Please give it a five-star rating and be sure to listen to other interviews in Suit Up.